Welcome to the Fair Talks Podcast, where we educate everyday people for extraordinary change. I'm your host, Alicia Chan, Executive Director of Fair Trade LA, a community of business members, nonprofits, and fair trade enthusiasts driving proactive, sustainable solutions for a fairer world. I'm also a social entrepreneur with a passion for ending poverty and creating dignified jobs. Together, we'll explore how fair trade changes lives and communities and what we can do to address some of the world's biggest problems right in our own homes. Let's dive in. Fair Talks is brought to you by Fair Trade USA, the organization that brings you the Fair Trade certified label. Fairtrade USA is committed to building an innovative model of responsible business, conscious consumerism, and shared value to eliminate poverty and enable sustainable development for farmers, workers, their families, and communities around the world. I've been counting down the days so I can share this episode with you guys. I had the pleasure of interviewing the real T'Challa from Africa, which I learned is actually a silent T, so it's pronounced T'Challa. He is the founder of Alafia, a clean, fair trade, hair, face, body care company. You may have seen their colorful bottles of shea butter or body soap at Target or Whole Foods. If not, make sure to walk down the skincare aisle and you won't miss it. Alafia is truly leading the way in putting people before profits. In this interview, you will hear that before the products and the sales is really about the people behind those products. After finally figuring out the right time zone, I was so honored to be able to sit down with Alafia's founder, Mr. Chala, who was in West Africa. And side note, it's moments like this that make me appreciate technology and the power of this podcast bringing all of us together all around the world. This conversation is so rich. We talked about everything from his early days going to school in Africa and dropping out of school to now having a successful company where the Alafia products can be found in over 2,500 retail stores nationwide. What a beautiful way to share the culture of Africa with the world. Mr. Chala was born and raised in the town of Kabuli, Togo, West Africa. Growing up, he shared an 8 by 10 room with his mother and seven siblings. When he was in sixth grade, he dropped out of school to support his family. One of his responsibilities was to gather and sell shea nuts in the local market. More than a decade later, he came to the United States where he was determined to continue his education. He earned his GED and went on to graduate with a bachelor's degree in organizational theory from UC Davis right here in California. While studying, he was compelled to fight the injustice he faced and witnessed, including gender inequality and poverty in West Africa through sustainable health care, education, and environmental initiatives. For nearly two decades, Alafia's mission has been to alleviate poverty and advance gender equality through the fair trade of indigenous African resources, such as unrefined shea butter, African black soap, coconut oil, and more. Proceeds from the sales of Alafia's award-winning clean and fair trade beauty products are returned to the communities in Togo to fund community empowerment projects in the areas of maternal health care, education, reforestation, and regenerative agriculture. Alafia now offers over 200 products. And guess what? They're giving our listeners an exclusive discount to shop at alafia.com. As always, stick around until the end for your exclusive discount code. Now, let's dive in. Welcome, Mr. T'Challa, the real T'Challa. No. <laughs> There's no Mr. We're all, we're all one human being. 
Please. Tell us how to pronounce your full name. Oh, it is a long name. I, I'll make it short. The, my first name is Olowonjo. And my last name is actually Chala. You don't pronounce the T. Oh. But it does have that T there, that T-C-H-A-L-A. So uh -huh. the first name is Olowonjo, the last name is Chala. Wow. So so I bet after the movie, um, The Black Panther came out, everyone was talking to you about your name, right? Yeah, well, I, I, I can't tell you how often I was asked if I had changed my name after the movie. <laughs> no, you're the real T'Challa. <laughs> yes, I changed my name. But you know, that. in the central part of Togo, there are, of course, I'm from Togo. But also in Benin, you have uh, families that are called Chala, and some are with two L and some are with one L. Uh -huh. So for, for me, since growing up, it was normal that somebody would be called Chala. Yeah. Uh, but what was surprising that it would be on, uh, on, on in a movie, which is a good thing. I think yeah. it's good for the world to, to look into different communities and you know, bring all of us together. Yeah, yeah. I love that they were highlighting the real parts of Africa and even the last movie, yeah. Haiti. So I really appreciated mm -hmm. that. Tell us a little bit about your background. I know you, we were sharing earlier, you went to UC Davis for school yeah. and then you were telling me that like you had to go to community college just to learn English beforehand to go to a university. And yeah. now you can't even tell like your English is perfect. So oh, tell us a little you. bit about your background. Thank you. Well, you see, I'm from Togo, and as you know, Togo is a small country in the West part of Africa, a very tiny little country. Mm. And Togo was first colonized by the Germans in 1884, mm. and then it was took over by the, uh, the, the, the French in 1916 during their first war. And therefore, so-called quotation, French colony, I don't believe in colonies, but that means that Togo have adopted a, a French system, which leads me to answer your, the question that you're asking. Mm. But most Togolese don't speak French. Togo has 42 or so different languages. It's the only wow. it's a, a country that is only about 300 miles long. Some places only 50 miles wide. It's a very small country with extreme diversity. So I grew up uh, speaking my native language, which is Kaboli, and that's also what represents my ethnic of Kaboli. And I remember first going to school and my mother would sell things uh, in the schoolyard mm -hmm. and the food, food like things, a little different in the American setting. And, you know, first grade, you know, I was one of those child that was tall and bony, you know, mm -hmm. we're farmers and I got beat up in the school the first day because the teacher thought I couldn't possibly be in the first grade. <laughs> At that time, I had a speech impediment. I, I couldn't really mm -hmm. speak well, so wow. the teacher thought I couldn't read a blackboard. And my mother told me, well, you don't need to do this French school thing, you know, you just, let's go home. So I didn't go back to, to first grade again until I was eight. Wow. Uh, yeah, and so by sixth grade, in going to a French system of, of education, I drop out of school to help in the farm because that's what we do. You know, you, mm -hmm. you drop out and you help your mother in the farm. And then when I got to the state, I realized that if I don't speak English, it's not going to go well. I, I need mm -hmm. to be able to communicate. And I so I decided to go to ESL courses, adult, adult learning program that the community colleges have. Mm -hmm. And so I start, that's how I started learning English, using children's books. And then go to ESL courses and then go to different community college in Woodland in, in, in Northern California and then go to Sacramento City College 
taking enough credit to qualify for university level. That's how I was able to escape going to high school in my life. It's because I end up accumulating enough college level credit. Uh, and I, I use those credit to transfer to UC Davis. And I was quite fortunate that the people of California actually prepared for my education. I, I will always be grateful for that. Mm. I, I had a good grades and then they still gave me scholarship to go to UC Davis. Wow. That is incredible. I mean, just Thank hearing you. that background, that is incredible to see how what all that you've done. Wow. That should, that should, yeah, that should encourage everyone to say you can break barriers, whatever barrier it is. Wow. Now I'm so excited to, I guess, dive into this company, this incredible company that you have created called Alafia. I have seen it everywhere in Target and I can't (laughs) believe I get to speak now with the founder. So tell us about the origin of Alafia. What inspired you to start fighting for social and economic justice through creating this fair trade company? Thank you. I think if we want to discuss this, we'll be here for many days, but I'll try <laughs> yes. to make as brief as <laughs> as brief as uh, as possible. You know, I I I really think um it comes in, in two parts. The first part goes back to what, what I was saying about my mother, that there were certain values of community responsibility that she instilled in us. An example is you know, my village is a small, it's a very small town, Kaboli at the time, and it's a border village where I go to Benin. Mm-hmm. And at any time there's there's a lot of human trafficking happening in these places, and their cars break down, whatever it is. And she would pick up food and share with the strangers we've never seen before. And she did this over and over. And so I think I just learned that you have to be responsible even for the, essentially the innocent uh, at the yeah. very least early on but also i was very close to my mother my mother was a dental servant her parents died when she she was an orphan when she was Mm -hmm. a baby because she ended up grew up in benin neighboring country and her life was not so good and so when i became close to her she would tell me a lot of her story and so i start to understand that the gender aspect in our societies there's something that didn't seem right. You know, you feel like you want, why would somebody treat your mom like this kind of thing? Mm. Right? Why would somebody treat a woman like this? And so there's an aspect too, because I learned that they were, her life circumstances were not pleasant at all. And I'm going to just talk about poverty. But in addition to these, my mother was a very hard worker with farmers. And we'll collect share nuts and sell share nuts during the season. And you know that Lafayette is a shared-based organization. Mm-hmm. And when I got to the state, and I, as I said earlier, I started going to UC Davis, I got really interested on, obviously, you have to support your family back home, right? Those of us that live at home, you have this sense of responsibility to support your family. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, uh, that's really where I start to understand that something is not right. The, mm-hmm. the flow of capital doesn't seem to make sense. And then I also, as I went to UC Davis, I decided to study organizational theory, which is a study of capitalism. Mm. So I began to really understand the world system. And I got quite involved with the feminist movements and got into civil rights movement. So all of these things combined, of course, I was very interested in the colonialism and the impact mm. on Africa and still the neocolonialism. 
so essentially the, is a is a whole is a set of of uh, incidences I would say uh, some accidental and some not and the non accidental part is I learned from my mother how to be responsible for orders and how to feed ourselves and the other part is that I had the opportunity to understand the global system and and then the responsibility part is for your community which I learned back home so I decided that okay I'm going to play my part. And my part would be to break this economic injustice uh, yeah. kind of belt. And in order to do that, when you're a student at UC Davis, the only way to do it is to start your own. I mean, you can't, yeah. you can't, because, we, you know, we'll be there protesting World Bank and, and yeah. nobody seems to listen. So we thought, I have to start my own. But there's one key element that, that I want to mention that I think is quite critical is that somehow I felt that the world did not understand or acknowledge or respect our traditional values in West Africa. Mm. And so I, and then, and I, I thought that was also the problem why we're poor, that a mother like my mother, simply because they can't read or write in English or any type of a Western education system, they can't get a job, but they have lots of skills and lots of values to offer. So that's why if you look deep inside of Lafayette, everything around using traditional knowledge. So I, I thought, what, what, what if we can package our traditional knowledge, mean something that the world didn't know how to do, and then we can sell in the marketplace at the price that we want, and if we're all the middlemen, middlewoman, then more will go to the community, we get to maintain our culture, yeah. and, and at the end of the day, we get to maintain a part of our dignity, really, because yeah. it's, it's coming from us. And so those are the, it's hard to say it's one thing, but you know, yeah. those, what, once you look all of it together, it makes sense to me. Right. And, and I really thought that it's about social movement, you know, you yeah. got to make change. Yeah, no, that's why I love fair trade companies like yours. There's a greater mission mm-hmm. that's driving it forward. It's not just about business. There's, it's it's no. so much more. And I love what you shared about. I read that Africa is one of the richest continent in terms of resources, like natural Definitely. resources. And yeah. I feel like you are leading the way in bringing economic justice, economic yeah. equality in, in in Africa. So, thank you. We, we yeah. have to because we need we need examples and we need models. Yeah. And the fact exactly. is, the the models that have exist, uh, even the industrialist model, uh, the emerging economies model. I I'm not certain that that's the path for Africa to get out of poverty. And so, in some ways, the, we need to establish new processes and new models that perhaps could go a little bit faster yeah. uh, into mobilizing the community out of poverty. Because when you see the poverty, what we say poverty is not the lack of just no food or the right. lack of material that we're talking about. Uh, you know, we're talking about a, a, extreme human abuses because when yeah. you're poor, you can't. You don't have a voice on the table, mm-hmm. and especially if you're a woman in our communities and you're poor, it, it, it is not just. And that's the type. Of, that's not the type of humanity that we want to have. So, yeah. it, it, to me, I think uh, uh, we have to have different models that work for our community, that yeah. work for our diverse culture, uh, yeah. instead of having one self-imposed model. Now yeah. I want to okay. find out how Let's, did you come. I slow down. <laughs> We're going to dive into all that just in a little bit. <laughs> but now I want to find out how you came up with the name Alafia. What does it mean? Yeah. 
Yes, it's, it's, a, it's quite simple. Uh, the, the name is a greeting in uh, Central Park, Togo, Benin, and Nigeria. And so today, I've been saying Alapia, Alicia, you know, we'll go back and forth. Oh, wow. so it, uh, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a sense of uh, the state of being. And, mm. and, and the meaning, the direct meaning, is pop and peace. And I believe that that's what I stand for. You need help in the communities. And with health, you can foster peace. And with mm. peace, you can foster health. So it yeah. just happened that the definition of Falafia represents the core yeah. of what I believe in. And, and also, there's an aspect of Afrocentrism in a little bit. It doesn't make it right that I'm an Afrocentrist, but if I'm going to have a model that has to do at the core with communities in Africa, and it should bear an African name. Yeah, and now you've introduced that word alafia to the world, so that's Thank so you. cool. <laughs> Thank now, you. I, I know alafia was built from cooperatives, and we yeah. have listeners who may want to start a cooperative. I know myself, I want to start one in Haiti. As you know, cooperatives and co-ops is the foundation of what fair trade is built on. So sure. you have so much experience building communities and putting together cooperatives from the first Shea Butter Cooperative in yeah. 20, 2003 to the Coconut yeah. Cooperative in 2012. And I'm sure there's a lot more, but this Many Coconut more. Cooperative, <laughs> yeah, this Coconut Cooperative brought together over 130 women. So just imagining the impact of each cooperative you've created. So Thank can you, you tell Thank us you. how you did it and bring us back to the beginning into the community meetings and how you got yeah. them involved to start this cooperative? No, certainly. And we're quite fortunate and there's still a long way to go in our cooperative, direct cooperative today within West Africa, we have about 14,000 that we work with. Wow. And those are direct. But wow. to get, get back to the days of the the cooperative, because the, I think it is we have to understand the structure and the structure may differ from place to place. And for, for me, it was what kind of structure would work in our communities, in our culture? Mm. Uh, and we can talk about culture and community and formation of organizations later. I would, I would say for anybody that wants to engage in the cooperative activity, they need to define what do they mean by cooperative. Mm. Right? And, and to me, it's a collective that comes together that is at the same time it has an independent, almost democratic process. Mm. You, you don't just have one CEO that give orders or one vice president. Yeah, it's a committee, essentially, mm. that has its own treasure. And yes, it will have its own president, but mostly they work together. Mm. And as a, you know, that's kind of a bad skeleton. So we we set out the principles of what type of cooperative we think will work in, in the Togolese society, uh, in the northern society. And specifically, that will have to involve the elders, uh, women like my mother. So you have to choose the, essentially the group of the people that you want to work with, I think. The cooperative, the ideas of, of having the cooperative for me was we need a sense of uh, ability to negotiate a fair price. You can't just be fair trade simply because you want to be fair. And somebody has to have a power to negotiate a fair price for yeah. either the knowledge or resources. Yeah. And what typically happens in our communities is that power is taken away. So people get taken advantage of. 
So we, we have to create a structure where people can negotiate a fair price. Mm-hmm. And that involved them forming to essentially union groups. And the union groups then would negotiate with that, the centers of Alavia. So the collectives would collect CNS, they organize into groups, they will negotiate the price that they believe is fair, and then there's a lafia itself that would take the share nuts and make it into share butter. So when we talk about fair trade, at least in, in, in our case, is about beginning at the source, not actually where the yeah. product is made, mm-hmm. is how it's organized at the source. Mm-hmm. So now, uh, for my own experience, I went to village to village and I explained to the ladies that this is what we're going to do. We're going to make share butter, but before we make share butter, we you, you're going to collect share nuts like you do. But you have to do it in groups because you can sell in a group and you can have a contract in a group. And you know that was a it was very interesting because uh, you know these, at that time I believe I was uh, twenty two or twenty three years old, so nobody really believed me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember those days when I was meeting with people in Haiti, and I'm sure people were just like, "He, she's just a college student." <laughs> yeah, they didn't believe me, and I yeah. don't blame them. But it really, I think the process in, in any society, particularly if we're working with uh, vulnerable communities, it is just to respect them first. So I would go to the chief, tell the chief what, what, why I'm there. Mm-hmm. I'll explain the point to the chief. And then the chief will introduce me to, they typically are women leaders in every community or village. And you, you talk to the leader. It doesn't mean that that leader will be part of it. Then you explain the objectives. So I, I think these people first feeling that there's a sense of respect for them and feeling that they they can they're here essentially wow. that, that what their concerns may be. But alongside, I think is also identifying what does the community actually need. The, yeah. the community and to identify what the community needs is to hear from the community. Yeah. And so it, it takes a bit of process. Yes, you're forming at the time. But at the same time, collect information on the community need. Because once yeah. you have a collective and you're making something, the revenues have to go back into the community. But what what would those revenues do if you don't know what the community actually needs? Yeah. I see yeah. you as this leader, as this the real Black Panther that has arrived <laughs> within the community and is Thank really you. speaking out for the community and leading the community. And that is so powerful. Thank you. It, it, it's necessary, yeah. yeah. Because I am a member of a community too. Yes, we're all global citizens. Yeah, I know. Alafia is really leading the way, so I'm so glad we get to share share what Thank you're doing. You. Now, Alafia has a huge product line. Now I see kids bubble baths and skincare and hair products, So, which is so awesome. So over the years, what has been Alafia's most popular product? Yeah, I, I would say that our pure unrefined shea butter mm. is our popular. It, it's, it's the first thing, is the, the one that has the least amount of ingredients is the most popular <laughs> one. But it's probably the most pure and natural and it is, rich. It's the most pure. That, wow. that, because when we started, there was no way that we knew about all the chemistries of making lotion. So it just yeah. melted and poured into the jar. So yeah. But it was, it has always been there for us. And also, I think our black soap, of course, is one of our signature body wash because you can use it for so many different things. And you know, at one point, we we have more than two hundred and forty different products. So wow, we have. I think it's having something for everybody. And yeah. At the end of the day, those are product for 
something that works, right? I, I'm I'm not out to say that I'll stop wrinkles or people to be clean yeah. or something that's healthy right and uh, and at the yeah. same time you know something that is not create criminal activity on the supply chain that yeah. i think that's really important is how yeah. do you have a product that does not create you know all the criminal acts yeah yeah absolutely and over the years, I've definitely learned to appreciate things that are all natural. Once I learned how much yeah. chemical and things that are we're putting on our bodies, it is really funny to see these current trends <laughs> that yes. we see in the marketplace. And it's like things that our ancestors have used like all these years and <laughs> we're just now discovering it. <laughs> I, you know, I tell you, I, I don't, yes, humans create new things. Um, but the way I look at it, I want to use things that people have used for a long time because yeah. it means that our body knows how to metabolize it. Our body knows how to deal with it. If right. somebody told me they figure out something new in the laboratory today and it's going to make my life all these, I don't know. I want to see what yeah. life has proven. Psst, I hate to interrupt, but we've got a surprise for you, even a monthly surprise if you want. Have you been wanting to add more fair trade to your life but aren't sure where to start? We have an easy way for you to support local fair trade businesses without ever having to leave your home. Our monthly fair package brings the world right to your door. Each month, you'll receive a surprise fair trade product curated from a dedicated ethical business. From artisanal soaps to shade-grown organic coffee, you'll find new fair trade products to love, all while supporting sustainable jobs from around the world. Keep your surprise for yourself or gift it to a loved one. Did we mention it's super affordable? Subscribe for only $10 a month. Snack here is now at fairtrailaid.org backslash fair package and sit back, relax, and eagerly wait for your delivery. Now, let's get back to the show. That's so interesting. And now you're bringing it to the mainstream marketplace. How amazing is that? I, 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 love I think it. that's a good thing. We have, we, have to, we have to share cultures. Yeah. Um, and and, and uh, once we share cultures, because if you think about it, somebody may consume that up here black soap product but in, in some ways they're engaging directly with our culture and in, in a peaceful manner and that yeah. creates a, a source of revenue for our, yeah. for us to take care of ourselves you know yeah. so we can prevent wars and, and prevent yeah. all things that happen to poor communities mm -hmm. it brings our world closer together that's yes. what i love yes. about fair trade products yes. yeah yes now, I keep looking back into the history of Lafia, and I'm just so impressed by all that you've done Thank as you. your business Thank is you. growing. And it's it's Thank really you. an inspiration for me and what I'm doing in Thank Haiti. You. And you've invested more back into community development projects as you're growing, all in different places in Africa. And so, yeah. which is what fair trade is all about. Fair we right. grow our business so we can take care of more people on this earth. Um, some of the projects that you have include maternal care, building many schools. Mm -hmm. So can you share about this journey of giving back to your community? What does it mean to you? And share with us some real impact that you've seen. Thank you. You know, I, I don't necessarily see it as giving back to the community. I actually see that it's a moral obligation. I really do. Mm -hmm. And that's how I believe. Yeah. And that, because even there's something about morals, we often disagree what the definition of morality is. But yeah. one thing we can agree to is that any part of morality is about positive outcome. Mm -hmm. and, and so a moral obligation to me is that 
if the ingredients and the knowledge on the crafting of these products is derived from the community. And so the very community should be benefit or beneficiary of that particular product. And so it, it will only make sense that we'll invest back in the community. Yeah. And I think it's also important to recognize that it's important for us to be fair trade, for people to be compensated with the fair prices and safe working environment. All that is is is, is what we should do, and 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 uh, and is important in terms of uh, fair trade principles. But I think we also need to be thinking about how do we create a world where we don't need to talk about fair trade, that things are mm-hmm. just fair. Right. And, and in order to do that, you have to invest forward. I believe. Yeah. Oh, and that investment so forward is what led to these these various community aspects that yeah. you that you you outlined the maternal health. Today, one in five children born in Central Togo is cared for by the self Palapia product. One in five. Wow. Every one in five babies born. Uh, wow. there, are, there, there are children that they name, the mothers will name uh, their child, Alapia. We have Alapia babies. And, uh, wow. <laughs> yeah, we do. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it really, so I think it's, it, it really touches your, your, your soul when it, they just saving a baby. And now, let me tell you what it means. The, the, you know, one in 16 women in Sub-Saharan Africa will die simply trying to give birth. Mm. And, and those numbers are similar to the rate of women dying pre-industrial time in, in America. So it is is a very is is inconceivable that that's, that will not community suffer that way. But for me, the reason there are two reasons why to invest in maternal care. One is very personal. I, I remember the time that we couldn't afford two dollars to buy antibiotics for my sisters that have have given birth and because they would bleed too much or they have cuts and and they have and they couldn't afford it and they died. So it's, it's quite personal. And in addition to these, uh, in our communities, when I was growing up, there's practices on women that are called FGM. And so I witnessed that scene growing up what is done to women. But now. So and another other side of it is just that it is immoral that you, you can lose a mother. But what is more important is about is about reducing poverty. And that is now the when you lose a child, then lose a mother, the child left behind will likely will not continue his or her education. Mm-hmm. And and so when we talk about poverty reduction or gender equalities, then there's a need to invest. And and for me, the way to start in investing in the child is start with the mother. Yeah. Uh, and the similar thing goes with our bicycle program. We collect bicycles in the Pacific Northwest from Los Angeles all the way to Seattle. Mm-hmm. And for the past uh, 19 years, take those yeah. bikes uh, to West Africa. And right now, we have uh, more than 12,000 or so of bicycles in circulation for wow. young girls to go to school. And that wow. helps uh, to reduce the dropout rate. Uh, wow. So we can go on and on, but one thing that it is important is that each of those different community investments are a driver of a society. Maternal care is the basic foundation for any society. Without mothers, we're not here, right? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and in addition to this, if you look with education, we need to to have either we agree or not, we need our community to have as best of education as possible. And the same goes for environment, we plant trees. So what I'm trying to say is that I don't believe 
given what we see in our community, that one solution is, is adequate. We need various solutions. We need economic solution, and we also need a forward investment solution yeah. for our community so that we can have a, a, a more stable uh, community in the future. I, I think that's our responsibility. Yeah, I, I love the term you use, investing forward. That is so key. Thank you. Yeah, that's so key. And I also love that you just have such a sense of social responsibility. And I think we all need that. Just the community mindset of how do we advance the community forward? It is our responsibility, our pers- our social responsibility to do this. Yes. So yes. I love that. Yes. And it gives, a, it gives us a reason to be, a purpose to exist. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, because of what I do, I'm able to have a reason to be here. Mm-hmm. And I, I think having a reason to be every day matters on, on living. Yeah. Yeah. We need more people to have this mindset. Thank um, you. <laughs> so let's continue to dive into, man, just the impact you've brought into your community. So you even started a line called Queen Alafia. I love that name. <laughs> to empower women who had previously fallen victim to sex trade. So tell us more about yes. that. Yeah. So, so years ago, um, the Alafia, one of Alafia main center in Sokodi, that's in the center of Togo. We moved, we moved to a much bigger, we call it a village. We always like to call things a village mm-hmm. into a new Alafia village. And so we, we have these, all these, uh, structure building village styles available. And, you know, and I got to be thinking as the, okay, the, the foundation of Alafia is to work with Elders. I mentioned that earlier. I was very interested in ensuring that we provide jobs to women like my mother. Mm. And the question became, well, there's a lot of young ladies. They don't have a job either. Mm. And I also know that in our communities, there are, is prostitution because that's the way that you need to be able to survive. Mm. But what I quickly realized is that, at least in central Togo, those women going into sex trade is because there's no alternative. They typically have skills. Yeah. And when the, you know the the sex trade, it's not just Togo. Is it is it about human trafficking issues? It goes all the way to Benin, Nigeria, so on and so forth. And, yeah. I, and many young ladies will leave their young children behind to go and search for additional income. Mm. So I thought, okay. What if we can approach these youngsters, or yeah, I call them young ladies, but they're not young, mm-hmm. and said so there's a job. Yeah. That's the other choice. The, the, these are days what you have to do, and nobody, I have never met anybody in my life that, so, that's willing to give up their dignity by selling themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and so, but if, you, if we do this, essentially, we know that we can make boutiques. And I also realize in the community, we have a lot of the women that participate in these activity have skills on how to sew, mm. or sewing. So we just create a center called Queen Alakia to, to sew napkins and, mm. and to, to, to sew cloth. And, uh, and, um, and then we make bags uh, called beauty bags for Whole Food uh, that Whole Food wow. sells nationwide today wow. and uh, it was a big deal because i have so much focus in the villages but i never really thought of the type of crime that goes on in the in the bigger towns and so it was very impactful and it's quite fortunate that we could do that so that we can get reduce human trafficking really but at the same yeah. time be able to share the skill that 
those women women have. The question is, how do you go find yeah. women in this? Yeah. It, how yeah. do you go offer somebody? To, it, and yeah. I didn't think about that. <laughs> and, and <it's, laughs> That's why we need a team. That's why we need a team. <laughs> <laughs> I like, well, I don't know how you can do this. And uh, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, mm-hmm. I just never got to. Yeah. Um, but they came up with a brilliant idea, and it was even against the law because technically, the the in in Togo, the sex trade is illegal, mm. and so you can't use enterprise funding to fund prostitution, mm. essentially. And um, but it, we we have to do what we have to do because you know the law and ethics. I always choose I choose was ethical above so called the law, and of course I follow the law. But I think I want to do what's ethical, and it may not necessarily be what's on the books. So mm-hmm. long story short, we we set a budget, and then the the uh, some of the, the the team leaders they will go in the evenings and as if they were going to solicit yeah. this woman and, yeah. and tell them instead, oh, you know, Queen Latia will give you a job if you know how wow. to sew. Come tomorrow. Wow. <laughs> that touched my heart so much. Yeah, they were good. They were trying. We gave one like they can buy the service, but they don't buy the service. It's yeah. just a, so they can have a chance to chat with the lady. Wow. And, and, that, and that's how we were able to build little by little. And then the women, once they start getting good income, uh, because one thing that we do if you join Queen Alatia is all your help is taken care of. Mm-hmm. As you know, this is not a, a, a fun industry, so we have to test for everything possible. Yeah. And anything that needs to be taken care of, the organization will take it, will yeah, wow. fully charge. Uh, and so they, it creates a, a health health safety net. Yeah. Yeah. And then they, the other ladies will help us come up with better ideas to, wow. to recruit more. Wow. So in this whole process, uh, you... I guess align the business with the fair trade movement and yes. um, you became fair trade certified through fair for life in 2009, one of the certifiers. Mm-hmm. So yeah. can you tell us how this process was for you, how the journey has been growing with the fair trade movement? Yeah. It, it, so I just, I, the fair trade is, um, is a segment of the overall model. And, yeah. and, uh, and what I, and I'm going to tell you very quickly, I, I felt that it didn't matter how the model is set and better moral principles and ethics. Then there's a need to have an independent verifier. Mm. That's really, it was a voluntary, I, the certification I didn't think was necessary for Latvia at all because we're doing what we're supposed to do. Right. But I didn't think that in the absence of a, an outside objective opinion mm. to come and verify what you're doing, uh, that's valid. Yeah. So it's really to validate what we're doing for me. Yeah. But it is important. So the process was essentially contacting Fair for Life and said, we want to be certified. And to be certified, it requires a lot of documentation. Yeah, <laughs> it <does. laughs> it's, it's an intense process, which is good, but it's a lot of work yes. for a small business. Yeah, it was a, a, lot, a lot of documentation. Uh, and, 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 you know, it, it's really... At the time, we were the first certified chair butter. So we had to convince wow. the, the Fair for Life that there's enough issues within the uh, fair trade world that to to be willing to certify, because typically you have to identify enough crime in the supply chain. Mm-hmm. In this case, with share butter, nobody ever really tried to identify the so-called the crime. Mm-hmm. And so we have to establish that, you know, the prices are certainly not good 
and share the data that we had because we've been existing for three years before and that compared with our Lafayette prices to an unfair trade price. Uh, but but once you, you we establish that, we, they will send an inspector. An inspector essentially come and look at the working condition of the people. And, and those follows the world guidelines for safe working environment. It's quite straightforward. But they also will look into your price and the management pay and the lower management, and they will do a ratio and see if it's the, if the organization itself is fair. And they also will look into the supply chain itself. Yeah, how what are you paying for the raw materials that you're using in your processing and so on and so forth. And 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 all of those at the end, they, it is essentially either you pass or you don't pass the exams, mm -hmm. it seems like. But it's not as intimidating as it may sound. I, I think it's a, it's a good thing, it's, it's a process, it's checking balances. And it, it really had to force us to keep records, right? Yeah. Where you have to keep records because in the next year, and they'll give you an area that you may need to improve on. So you, you have time to do that. So this is not about punishment at all. It's actually, again, it's independent verifying. Yeah. But in our case, it was a little bit interesting. That's something that we gotta we have to get used to mm. because I felt that mothers should be able to work with their mother. So yeah. that everybody bring their babies to work. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, because we what yeah. we're we're ninety eight percent women based, and how you can say women can't bring their baby to work? They have yeah. to get somebody to care for them or grandmother. So to yeah. me, I because really our setting is created around family. It's created yeah. where it's an environment where you don't need to modify your home environment too much. So yeah. it's, it's it's very traditional setting. So we have babies that come; they be there, they can share butter and all that. But within the the, the 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 you know the laws of the the labor globally because that's what fair trade follows you cannot have minors uh, in the in the work mm -hmm. environment and so yeah. that was that was tough because the I babies got see. used to bring their babies yeah I could see that yeah so and, and like even in Haiti it's like the babies just come with moms wherever they go yeah yeah, yeah. so how did you that's solve true. this how how did you solve this problem. <laughs> We, so we uh, we got what we did is uh, essentially we have, we built in a uh, a daycare. It, mm -hmm. it's, it's not yeah because the there's so much age from uh, forty years to seventy years. Oh, that's kind of the age range. Mm -hmm. So with the elders, those are who are above sixty, they will ask like take care of the baby of the younger one kind of yeah. in a particular zone area that can be in a work environment. Yeah. Uh, so that and it, that because our elders in our cooperative actually really serve like counselors to the younger one. They really do. We yeah. we never had any any problem that cannot be resolved. We have our own yeah. councils and mm -hmm. you do. <laughs> so yeah, that's wow. how we we solve that one. And we had to we agree with Fair for Life that the the children's essentially would not be in a work environment. It would be in a particular zone. And mm -hmm. and that that was that was good enough, and that's kind of how we'll continue. And we're still making babies and making feel better today. <laughs> wow, I love that. It is a it it is something you learn in the process, and you create systems to to make yes. it work for the community. Yeah, and and, and, I, and I think you know, for me in particular, I have to be very careful where we don't um, go through the changes. That we want to do that is best for the community, but yet the Europeans 
way over overpowering our own system. Mm -hmm. Right. What, what, I, I, I have to be careful where I'm not telling the community, no, this is European process and that's best for us. We can't do so we, we have to always find a way uh, a balance uh, somewhere because the truth of the matter is the fair trade principles are written in the West mm. or the East. So mm. it's definitely going to have Western doctrines embedded in it. Yeah. You have somebody that lives in Berlin writing policies for a cocoa farmer in Ghana, but never lived in Ghana. How would mm. how would that person truly understand? You know, because cocoa don't grow in Berlin. We know that. Yeah. And so it, yeah. I think it's important as we yes, it's true that those it's come from a good intention, but are those principles are being written uh, is like somehow unconsciously we we have uh, uh, policies that don't necessarily reflect the best of the community. Yeah. Now, do you feel like there's enough room for I guess adapting into different communities? I think so, certainly. I, I, the, you, if I understand correctly, there's enough room for the fair trade uh, policies to be adopted. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yes, I think it's a matter of making this, helping the certifier understand yeah. why this is important and why is it still in best interest of the community, right? Yeah. Because the key element is this safe working environment, is people being treated humanely. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah. so there's many different ways of looking at it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, even if you look at us, we, the, in the West, if, if you have a fire extinguisher. But the ladies at our centers, the factories, they have to have fire extinguisher. Yeah. But if we have fire, we use sand and water. Uh, water yeah. <laughs> so we just have to prove that yeah. culturally this works. And it yeah. has worked. And we're just, it's that simple. Yeah. It doesn't have to be fire extinguisher because the law said fire extinguisher. The question yeah. is, can we put a fire out or yeah. not? Yeah. Yeah. We need more people like you in the fair trade movement. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it is so true. It, there's not one single model that's going to work for every community in the world. That's no. just not, that's just no. impossible. Yeah, no, we just need an umbrella and uh, yeah. somehow we find a cover underneath of it. Yeah, that's a beautiful way to say it. Now, a lot, I mean, you've been through this long journey, and now Alafia's product has been found can, and can be found in more than 2,500 retailers nationwide, including CVS, Sprouts. Whole Foods, and where I've seen it the most, Target. That is yeah. incredible. So first of all, congratulations. I know it's, Thank you. it's not overnight. It's a lot of hard work and a lot of late nights pouring into this vision. And I think Thank we can and all... I'm not alone. Many people have contributed. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's been a team effort. Now, I think we can all agree that Alafia is a successful fair trade company, a successful brand. What... To you, what was the turning point? When do you think that shift happened where Alafia's brand and mission and products took off? And what do you hope to see in the future? Thank you. I, I, I think it's back in 2008, actually. Because in 2008, mm -hmm. if you remember, that's when the first collapse of the banks. And I, it was also the year where we moved from making things in the garage into a formal warehouse. Wow. And at that time, 
we it was also the year that our product could be found nationwide in the US. Mm -hmm. Before then, it was pretty much Washington State, Oregon, and California, and Midwest, in Indianapolis, and so it was kind of spotty. And mm -hmm. so when the economy, people were concerned about economy, that was the time where we, we went to Whole Foods and said that we'll make a product that's ethical at a reasonable price. And hope we say yes, and we put it nationwide. And wow! But you know, for I think uh, what we're after uh, was the economy, a, a global economy. If you remember, it was a global recession. But what are, what are those women that depend on well, I guess, for what would their life be like? And so I couldn't go and explain to the woman that pop up cooperatives that economy is bad, therefore you go home, that, that there's no way. Um, so I have to find a way. And that process of finding the solution had led to us become a national brand. Uh, and then wow. we've been building ever since. Uh, but also I was determined. And I, I continue to be determined today because I think that the resources, Africa does not have to only produce raw materials. They, we can make a finished product and we have Riley, so our product deserves a space on the shelf. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You have come such a long way. Now, what do you hope to see in the future? Oh, thank you. Um, I I think for me, the future is when it, when it becomes clear that the model that Alape has established can be adopted across mm -hmm. various communities in the world. Yeah. Obviously, again, going back to what we said, one model cannot work for everybody, but I think the key elements of the model can work because mm -hmm. essentially what this model says is that every place in the world has a cultural heritage, and let's look into it, mm -hmm. and, and, and that's user skills. And we know that people like to make money. And so we can sell the product where people make money, but they're being ethical about it. Mm -hmm. And then a portion of the money needs to be invested back into the community so they can create more self-independence. Mm -hmm. So I think if you look at that process, it could work in many different places. So to me, when I think about the future, and if you ask me, what do you want? That's what I, I would dream of, is a yeah. model that can, can, be, can be adopted because now we have proven that the rich can make more money and the yeah. poor can get out of poverty. Yeah. And, and because, you know, when you sell Whole Food or Target, you don't go tell them that I'm doing good, therefore support me. No, I tell them I'm going to make, I'm going to make you money because they're there to make mm -hmm. money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is why we were saying earlier, you're coming to Haiti. You are helping us create this model <laughs> in Haiti. <laughs> I'll be there. I'll tell you. Yes. I, I, I so would love. I would love to see this model, you know, transform communities around the world. Like you said, that would be thank amazing. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Anything that I can do to be able to support. Yeah. Now we can talk about this all day, but unfortunately we have <laughs> to bring our conversation to an end. Man, we always want to end with a fun question. What is your personal favorite Alafia product? <laughs> it's like choosing your favorite child out of the 200 and something products. Yeah, you, you, you don't want me to, you want somebody to be upset with me today. <laughs> <laughs> you know, these, um, it's not so much of a product as what do I know. And what I know is that pure unrefined share, but that we, we grew up on it. And mm -hmm. if you get up 
in the morning and you shower and you don't lie to yourself or shit, but from top to top too, mm. you can you be sure that hey, my mom will be on it. So, <laughs> yeah, and, and to this day, um, I, that's what I use. And I, yeah. I'm just so used to it, it becomes like a routine that if you don't, mm. you feel like you're walking naked in this mm. And so, yeah, I would say I'll pure shit, but it's still my favorite today. Yes, and I'm sure a lot of people in your community is using the Lafia product too. That we got is the base, the black soap and the shea butter. Yeah, and, and, and that's that's pretty much it. I love that you. I love that you're creating this product not just for the international market, but even for your own community. Like they can use it. That is so cool. And yeah, that's how we have to offer it to the world. It has to start. It has to start home. Yeah. Yeah. Now we also end every episode with asking our guests this one question. What is one simple action step you want our listeners to take to help make this world a better place? Thank you. May, may I ask you, your, your, your audience, maybe allow me to say maybe two. It's hard for me to say things in one, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> You have so much wisdom inside of you. Share, share it all. No, it's, it's, it's really, it's quite simple. Mm. I think to me, and all people and, and, and your, your audience, if I were to make a, a, a kind, um, gentle suggestion, it's really good to look your neighbor in the eye and say hi and smile. Give somebody a smile tomorrow or today. Yeah. Just a smile, just a little smile. Like yeah. something little, because I, I I think it creates something in our hearts when we see a smile. So it's a form mm-hmm. of peace, and that that can allow us to move on to deal with it. We all know nobody has easy day. And the the second suggestion I I may make is all of us. It it doesn't matter where rich, poor, woman, man, any gender that we may be we come from somewhere and it's a matter of looking what do you want to do for a community that you can fill in your own guts and mm-hmm. and i think to be, if you can fill in your guts and you know that your community has an issue to be resolved take a baby step action towards it mm. yeah we are all called to do something we're all responsible yeah, i believe so for something yes our guts are talking to us yeah yeah so good i don't want this conversation to end you have so much to share with us and we'll have to keep this conversation going in the future definitely thank thank you again very much uh, for the opportunity to to speak with you to to hear you learn from you and and for for the people of los angeles of the world so i um it's always a a, a pleasure and honor to be able to share what we believe in and continue learning. And mm-hmm. I can tell you, I think this opportunity to give a special thanks to the people in California because uh, mm-hmm. not only that they pay for my education, but today California remains uh, one of our largest market that is supporting wow. the communities all across the globe. So special thanks to your community as as well for always being there for us. Amazing. Amazing. I'm going to go get some shea butter now at Target. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. you. Have a good evening. Have a good day. It's evening for me. Yes. (laughs) Wow. I learned so much from that episode. 
I don't know about you, but I felt empowered just hearing about how this African company is able to use the fair trade model to share the African resources with the world and invest back, or should I say invest forward into the African community. I hope you gain something valuable from this conversation as well. Alafia is giving our listeners 15% off their entire site at alafia.com. That is A-L-A-F-F-I-A.com. Just use Fairtrade LA at checkout. As always, you can find this information and more at fairtradela.org slash podcast. Bye for now. I want to thank the creative team behind the Fair Talks podcast, our executive producer, Juliette Bucquerel, our editor, Caden Sullivan, our marketing team, Jasmine French, Elena Alcero, and Lizzie Case. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Fair Talks podcast. Thank you for being a part of our community and sharing the fair trade message. Thank you again to our sponsor, Fair Trade USA, for making this possible. Now, are you ready to create change? The next time you're out shopping, just pick up one fair trade item to buy, like coffee, chocolate, or bananas, and make a difference. Ask your office, church, business, school, or your family to shop more fair. If you have any questions or want to learn more, head over to fairtradela.org slash podcast for show notes, discount codes, and additional resources. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And follow us on social media at Fairtrade LA to join our amazing community of Fairtrade lovers. Tune in to our next Fair Talks conversation to hear more life-changing stories. Thanks for listening.